Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife and producer, Janet, and we are streaming live at an undisclosed location in an underground bunker. Actually, not really. We're sure, the, why not? <laughs> we are at the AM 1470 of KBSN Studios in Moses Lake, and our guest today is a very, very special guest, my, my, my best friend and, and brother, love him to death, and um, it is Shane Needham, powerlifter, bodybuilder, entrepreneur, scientist, and great father, amazing man, and he is going to talk to us about diet, exercise, and recovery. And before I introduce this show, or before I introduce him and start the show, I want to say congratulations to my wife's alma mater, NDSU, North Dakota State University, another FCS football championship, um, eight times out of ten years they've done it. It's a record out of all college football. Super happy, super happy for them. If you want to follow a winning team, NDSU Bison are, are for sure it. So, so diet, exercise, and recovery. Let's talk about that today. Um, those are three things, really. Those are three simple things. The details can might get complicated, but it's really simple. Those are the three things that we really need to keep our bodies healthy, all right? Now, um, there is a fourth thing, and not we're not going to talk about this show, but healthy relationships. If we don't have healthy relationships, none of this other stuff matters. So keep that in mind. So diet, exercise, and recovery. I always, this is what I say. So we can live without exercise, okay? We will not die if we don't exercise. Um, and But we do have to live to eat, okay, right? But we will also die without sleep before we'll die without food. So let's keep that in mind. So if there's one of those that's most important, I believe it's sleep slash recovery because that's when we get stronger, all right? So let's start with diet. And I'm going to let Shane start. We're going to start off. We're going to be talking... There's a lot of diets in the in the news right now, and um, we're going to be talking about them. Let's talk, Shane. Let's talk about keto. Tell us a little bit about keto diet, and if you've done it, and a little bit about it. Yeah, well, thank you. And first of all, it's an honor to be here. I was the first guest on um, Sean and Janet's radio show several months ago, and they're just uh, kicking tail since then. So, really, uh, Sean and Janet, I'm honored. So, thank you. I, I so. I want to introduce a little bit about my background as far as a diet and exercise. I've been training since the age of 13, doing weightlifting, and uh, my wrestling coach got me into into weightlifting. I haven't taken a week off for the last, well, uh, 35 years, whatever that is. Is that it? Yeah, not, oh, a week, okay. not more than a week. Yeah, even on vacations, I it, live. It shows. It, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. so anyway, I love it. Looks like you're getting kind of scrawny there. Yeah, you know, that, that's possible. <laughs> yeah, I missed one day last week. So anyway, I'm not a fan of the word diet. And Sean mentioned it really well. There's a lots of diet in the news. Heck, I've been from the generation where we talked about low cholesterol, low fat, low salt, all those things. A lot of that has been debunked. So I'm not really – I like the word diet because it gets people interested in it, and that's what people are used to. Okay, but I also want to call it a way of eating. You'll hear this sometimes, a W-O-E or a woe, or also just nutrition. Okay, and it's what's going to fuel our bodies or maybe even just fueling. So diet seems like a temporary solution, whereas a way of eating is going to be a lifestyle. The way you're going to – I'm going to talk a little bit about how maybe I, I eat. It's not a diet. It's going to be the way I eat for the rest of my life, and I, I enjoy it. And so it makes me feel good, and I, I you know makes me makes me feel really well. So anyway, so let's talk a little about keto. And so certainly I've tried – 
all the diets we're going to talk about today, I guess I've tried these, or these way of eating. Let's call them the, those, those, the, the woe, okay? Way of eating, W-O-E. The keto, I definitely, I, I'm, I'm probably in ketosis right now, and I'm always in ketosis probably. I think that's a healthy state. It's a, there's a lot of research to show that when you're in ketosis, it's a very anti-inflammatory state. We won't get into the chemistry of it. I do have a PhD in chemistry, so I get into a lot of the a lot of the biochemistry of it, but I won't. But just to say that if you're not eating a lot of carbohydrates, which I think is it can be a good thing, is that you're going to be in ketosis, and it's very anti-inflammatory. And you fuel your body through ketones instead of glucose and so on and so forth, or you actually do gluconeogenesis, where your body makes glucose, which I think is also very healthy. So have I done keto? Absolutely. Am I a true keto sycophant no so i'm not the type of person that's going to take my coffee or my water and put a you know a gallon of olive oil or a scoop of coconut oil or anything like that do i cook my eggs in coconut oil every morning coconut oil or evoo extra virgin olive oil sure i do that but i'm not i'm not actually supplementing with extra fat that's true keto diet. And there's actually lots of research in it. I, I'm going to give a stupid little plug here for the Netflix documentary, The Magic Pill. And they have a lot of keto data in there where they take kids that are ADHD or some other types of ailments. Um, M- MS, a keto diet is very good for MS. There's also good 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 recovery for for oncology or cancer patients with keto. And so it's very anti-inflammatory. But am I truly a keto where I'm going to be adding extra fat to my meals? No. Do I care about the fat I eat? Not really. I eat ribeyes. I eat ground beef. I eat red meat. I eat all those things. And there's a lot of research from the 80s that said red meat was going to kill you. That's not true. There's a lot of research that says it's better for you than some of the actual chickens and and so on and so forth and and some of the pork and the white meat. So that's keto in in a nutshell. But it's basically... Really, you're, you're making ketones for fuel instead of glucose and using your glycogen stores from your liver and your muscles. So that's keto diet. So I don't know how much, you know what, to be honest with you, all these diets we're going to talk about, we could talk about for an hour or more. Right. And so you let me know if that's enough information. Yeah. It, it is. And I, what I want to do is I want to keep this conversation going like through our Facebook. And by the way, Shane is streaming live on his Instagram. So go to his Instagram and, and we can start asking some questions. Here's my question on keto. And this is what I've wondered. Um, there's been cultures for you know years that you know ate pretty much a keto type diet or maybe even a carnivore diet i.e let's say the eskimos um now here's what i find interesting about keto can so to be in ketosis we have to not be producing a lot of glucose or not be eating a lot of glucose but i think our body is pretty good about um you know, replenishing its glycogen stores. So after you do go low glucose, uh, low carb, um, your glycogen stores will be depleted. But I think our body has a good way of probably repleting your glycogen stores to um, to help have a good glucose store for later on. So I necessarily want to get into that. I think there's a lot of science there. I think that there might, you know, that's but- possible. You know, right. So anybody that's listening on Facebook or our YouTube, um, I did see that. I, I think I saw that your son is watching on YouTube. So that's really cool. Hey, go Brady. <laughs> no, Finland. Oh, go Finny. Yeah, <laughs> Finny. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, ask those questions. Or if anybody has an answer about, you know, do you replenish your glycogen stores if you don't eat any glucose? My guess is yes. So... My guess is no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it's okay to disagree yeah, on that. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, what a lot of these things are is nutrition, especially the biological system of a diverse species like a human, is very difficult to research. 
very difficult to research, and at the end, we'll get into it, but it's very personal. Very personal. That's why it's so difficult. Sean's going to be different than me, and we're identical twins. Yeah. And so everybody's different. So let's move on. Paleo. So tell me what paleo is. Paleo is a misnomer. So paleo is a lifestyle. Paleo, we already talked about a lot of them. There's usually four things with paleo. A lot of people say paleo is a woe. It's a way of eating. Not true. That's one of the four parts of paleo. And again, a really shameless plug. And Sean's going to have this awesome researcher on in just a, a, in a, this year, I believe, um, Dr. Rob Wolf. But go look at his paleo information. He's kind of like the father of the paleo movement. But the paleo is four things. It's diet, exercise, I guess let's say way of eating, movement, recovery or sleep, and also your relationships. That's paleo. But if you want to break it down to a diet, it's basically eating whole foods, non-processed. And I, I don't care if you're eating keto, primal, ancestral, carnivore, or paleo. I think you should eat all non-processed foods. Okay? And I'll tell you what processed foods are. Pasta. Breads. All those things are processed. They are made by man. A potato that comes from the ground? No. A potato that's made into French fries? Processed. Okay. And so we'll talk about maybe some of the nutrition, nutrient densities of some of those vegetables as well. But the bottom line is, is non-processed food. So if it doesn't have an expiration date, don't eat it. Here's what I tell my patients. <clears throat> if it doesn't rot, don't eat it. Yeah, the only thing I can say about that, and this is actually, there's a lot of primal research into this, that historically they've done this. Beef jerky's good. The way they used to actually preserve meat was they'd salt the heck out of it. Absolutely. Okay, and that's what beef jerky is. Now, unfortunately, if you've watched even in the last 10 years, the ingredients, I always look at all ingredients in a package, the ingredients of beef jerky are more and more sugar every single year. Why do you think that is? Because it's cheap and it's addictive. And it tastes good. That's right. That's it's addictive. Really it tastes yeah. really good, so people sure. will buy it. So be really careful in your beef jerky if, how much sugar is actually in that beef jerky. So, okay. so that, that's, that's, that's it on paleo. Um, I think paleo gets mixed up. I'm glad Shane clarified that with just a diet, but I'm glad he clarified it's more of a lifestyle. And um, let's go with ancestral eating. I think that's a term I've started hearing a couple years ago. What do you know about ancestral eating? Yeah, so we can lump some of those in. So I actually started an ancestral approach or a primal approach. Oh, man, it's all probably almost 10 years ago. And that's when I really started to feel different look different, perform different. It was amazing. Back then, they called it the caveman diet. They don't use it anymore because it scares the crap out of people because people think I'm going to eat like that. I'm going to look like a caveman. Actually, who would want to look like a caveman? Right. I mean, <laughs> lean and muscular? <laughs> right. I mean, and be able to kill, you know, like, yeah. what's the saber-toothed tiger, you know, with your hands? I mean, why not, right? Yeah. So uh, ancestral, primal, or, or those types of diets are, I think that's true because all of our biological systems are a little bit different. And what our parents and our grandparents and our grandparents' grandparents ate is what's really, really important. Now, I think we have to be really careful there, okay? Because I'll hear people say, well, I'm Irish, so my grandparents ate potatoes. Well, yeah, do you know why your grandparents ate potatoes? Because the king starved them because they didn't have any meat, so they only had potatoes. Okay, so I think you got to be really careful. Agriculture has been invented in the last about 200 years on a mass-producing scale. So just because your grandparents ate whole grains and whole bread of grains doesn't mean it's necessarily good for you. And so that, those are just my takes on it. Wheat may not be bad for you if you're eating it whole but not when you're processing it into bread. And that's just some of the research I've seen from gluten insensitivities and, and anti or, or toxins or anti-nutrients from vegetables and so on and so forth. So, But eat like your parents' parents. I actually don't like to even say that. 
eat like the oldest person in your history. And so, you know, think about what Native Americans ate. You know, if you have a Native, if you have some Native American, you, as most people in the West do, you know, then you're you were probably eating lots and lots of meat, lots of venison, lots of elk, lots of buffalo, lots of antelope, lots of game. That was your primary. Now, would you dig roots once in a while? Yes, when you didn't have meat. So this is another thing that we'll probably go through, and we might disagree on this, my brother and I. Do I think humans are omnivores? Yes. But they only eat vegetables if meat isn't available. Our bodies are amazing. God has designed them to be amazing. Our gut biomes are amazing. But I think it's only if meat is not available do we actually need some of those roots and those tubers or some of those fruits. So that's a good segue to go into our next segment um, with the carnivore diet. So just to let you guys know, there's a... um, Carnivore means meat, meat only, carnivore. Um, carn, meat is, is Latin for meat. And. Si, habla español carne. Si. And um, omnivore means you eat both. Omni um, meaning all kind of. So you'll eat anything um, vegetables, fruit, and uh, meat. And then, of course, there's vegan and vegetarian. We didn't talk about that, but in the carnivore diet, I didn't put that on on our notes to talk about that specifically but because we'll talk carnivore we will talk about it carnivore diet tell me about what the carnivore diet is carnivore diet is pretty simple and i think that's why it's been so successful for people and reversed a lot of diseases is that here's the here's the solution to a carnivore diet and here's the, uh, the prescription i should say eat meat drink water period when you're hungry you eat meat when you're thirsty you drink water period so follow Sean Sean Baker. He started the keto diet. He's an orthopedic surgeon out of Arizona. You mean carnivore diet? I mean, he started the keto diet sure. on his okay. patients, yeah. uh, I don't know, years ago. And he was an orthopedic surgeon, and, and he was reversing that they needed surgery. So they didn't need surgery anymore. He's got a great story behind him. Um, and then he actually started doing the carnivore diet. He's got a book out there, um, Carnivore Diet, and he's had patients that have really, really changed their lives because of it. Um, so tell me about fiber. Let, let's Tell me about fiber really quick because there's no fiber in a carnivore diet, correct? Yeah, correct. Let's, let's think about a carnivore diet and how many societies have lived on a carnivore diet, and I basically live on a carnivore diet. So I eat meat and eggs, and that's it. Do I have a salad once in a while because I enjoy it? Sure. Do I have a sweet potato once in a while because I enjoy it or some oats? Yes. But carnivore diet is just meat. And many Inuits, you know, I guess another name firm is Eskimos or a lot of northern societies that couldn't grow any vegetables. They just... Eat ate seals and ate polar bears and ate fish and so on and so forth. And they continue to do that to this day. And they only actually saw disease for, you know, diabetes, heart disease, um, obesity. They, they, they didn't see those until the Western diet was, was, was introduced to them. And, and There's a really good study from a, from a Caucasian that visited the Inuits and went on their diet. And, I mean, reverse so many symptoms that he had. That's that's from, like, 1920, and I can't remember his name. Let's go ahead and finish that story. Uh, We are wrapping up this first segment already. Uh, Thank you for being on, Shane. You are with listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham on AM 1470 KBSN. Uh, We will be back shortly. Hello and welcome back to the show, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. If you missed our first segment, um, I have my twin brother, Shane Needham, in the studio with me. And if you'd like to be part of the show, please call in, 509-765-1470. I see there's a lot of viewers on Facebook. Uh, Give us a message on Facebook or call in. We'd appreciate the call. Any questions for for Shane or I? So we were talking about ancestral diet. Uh, Actually, we're talking about um, carnivore diet. 
And we're talking about how Intuits are one of the cultures that actually... Intuits, also known as um, Eskimos, um, also are one of the cultures that survived probably mostly on meat. Now, I think there might have been times where there were, you know, maybe short periods of time where there were traders that were up in that area that might have gave them vegetables. I, I, you know, we don't know for sure, or maybe we could find out if we found out some more information. But here's what I do have to say when I talk about the vegetarian diet or vegan diet. And please, callers, call in, ask us questions. Um, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not know of any culture um, over thousands of years that actually sustained itself on vegetables um, alone. Um, if somebody has a different opinion, please give me a call in. So, There's not one. I, I can't think of one, but there are cultures that survived on meat alone. So tell us why the carnivore diet is so important in your, in your opinion. Well, I, I, a lot of reasons I think the carnivore diet is important. And, you know, again, I've been testing out diets as a scientist, I guess, and even as a youth since I was 16, so more than 30 years now. They're pretty low cholesterol, low sodium, low fat, and all those things. And some of them made sense as long as you didn't actually do the research and think about the biochemistry involved. And so, but you think about when you're on a low-fat diet or a low-cholesterol diet, you know what? Or even a vegan diet, you're constantly hungry. You're constantly wanting more. Here's what I can tell you. When you eat two pounds of ribeye a day, you are so satiated and so satisfied, you don't want more. But if you're hungry, eat more meat. If you're thirsty, drink water. It's simple. It's simple, but you're getting all your essential amino acids so and your macro, which is protein, and all of your essential fatty acids and all your fats that are essential. Remember, glucose or a carbohydrate is not an essential nutrient to the human body. Your body will make that. So I think for several reasons the carnivore diet is, number one, easy. And it's also satiating because it's, it's, making, you, it's making you satisfied it's, and it's, and it's, it's nutrient-dense food. And so, hey, and I, I, Sean Baker can do it. But if you can eat a pound of ribeye at one sitting, hey, good for you. But I usually break mine up into smaller meals. I usually can, my body can tolerate about eight ounces of protein um, um, every two to three hours. So I typically try to eat, eat two to three pounds of meat or eggs a day, and that gives me about 300 grams of protein total. And I'm very saturated, never hungry. But if I'm hungry, what do I eat? More meat, more eggs. And if I'm thirsty, I drink water. So I just think it's because it's easy and it's satisfying to the body because you're supplying all of your nutrients. Okay, all of our nutrients. What about fiber? There's no meat. There's yeah. no fiber in meat. Fiber, you know what? I just do a lot of research on fiber, thinking about fiber, thinking about my chemistry study and on fiber. So I won't get into too much of the details of the, uh, the molecular formula of fiber. But basically, it is glucose with beta bonds versus alpha bonds. So that's all I'm going to say. So it's, this, it's an isomer of glucose, right? But your body can't digest it. Okay? So I'm not going to get too graphic here. But sometimes when you eat roughage, you see it in the toilet, don't you? right? Does that mean we're supposed to eat it? If our body can't digest it, why are we supposed to eat it? And so before we get too much into the arguments about, oh, colon cancer and so on and so forth, look up, look up Sean Baker's research. Okay, follow him on IG, follow him on, on Twitter, and you will see that actually people that are on carnivore diets have less of a history of colon cancer than actually those that actually eat lots of fiber. In fact, there's some studies to show, again, what vegetables do as a protection mechanism to ward off their own pests or insects is they have anti-nutrients. That's toxic. It's toxic to pests. It's toxic to, it's, I mean, some of them, for example, caffeine. 
is a natural for chocolate. Caffeine is a natural insecticide. And so what are some other ones? I can't remember some nicotine. of the other ones. Yeah, nicotine, nicotine. for tobacco. tobacco is an insecticide. So it keeps insecticides away. So all, all plant materials have some kind of a protection mechanism or a poison in them that basically keeps insects away. Well, if it kills insects, it's actually not good for our bodies either. So the whole fiber thing, there's a really good study just recently, follow Rob Wolf on this, that by getting sunlight, um, just 30 minutes over, a, I think, a week period by just getting some sunlight. Is that the same as just vitamin D? I'm not sure. That's hard to prove, by the way. But that will improve your gut biome actually better than actually eating any other type of diversity of fiber as well. So I, I just look at it this way. If our bodies are not meant to digest it, why should we be eating it? I think that's a great question. I think it's a great question, and I, I, I don't think it's an answer for everyone. And one thing that we're – why we had you on the radio show is that we want people to answer their own questions and make these diets personal to them. So we want them to do the research. Don't trust us, people. Look it up yourself. Um, I, I think it's, a lot of it makes sense about the fiber. Um, and, you know, one thing we had a question, too, is does eating meat um, – do you know anything about it um, increasing gout? Are you very familiar with that at all? Increasing gout? gout I, no. I haven't heard of it. I mean, I've heard, I know of gout. I haven't heard of meat doing that. Right. And I would suspect that it probably doesn't. And eating just meat and scurvy, I could argue that one all day long. Right. So I, I, I get it. And, and so here's the thing i got to say about gout. Gout is an inflammatory disease. And carnivore is an anti-inflammatory diet. Correct. That is correct. And, and when we're talking about the vegetables and we talk about... Um, I think a good analogy of the vegetables and, you know, like when they're, they're spicy. Like think, think of jalapenos. We eat jalapenos, right? Why are jalapenos spicy? Jalapenos. Spi- jalapenos. Thank you. <laughs> Gracias. Gracias por todo. De nada. <laughs> um, uh, jalapenos are spicy. Why are they spicy? They're spicy. Protect themselves. They're spicy so animals don't eat them. See, now let's think about even, like, some of the people don't think about, and broccoli's a really good example. You know, it's supposedly healthy and everything. Cruciferous vegetables. It, 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 it has a whole bunch of oxalates in it. Re- study up on it. That's poisonous to people. That's poisonous to people, and it, it also can cause kidney stones and so on and so forth. And so meat is not like that. Meat has two things in it, fat and protein. And your body will fully digest all of those. And so uh, this gets kind of, uh, I don't want to get too graphic or gross, but you kind of have to talk about this. And Because uh, what I like to do as a scientist is I, I, I do the studies myself. So I eat myself and then see what happens. And I'm going to give a really, not a shameless plug, because she's an amazing person, a really good friend of mine named Carrie Danielson. Follow her on her Instagram, Love to Lift. That's her Instagram handle. Or follow her on, on, on Facebook, Carrie Danielson. She lives in the Boise, Idaho area, and she's an awesome nutritionist. The, the thing of it is is that um, when, you, when you have these types of diets and you eat some of these vegetables, here's what happens to me. I get gas. Um, let's see. My excrement. Can I say poop on the air? Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> uh, does it look nearly as well, as well, or does it look nearly as good as when I'm just eating carnivore? It's not a correct consistency and so on and so forth. And there's scales on what your excrement or your poop should look like. Talk to Carrie. Contact her because she will absolutely be really good on what it's actually supposed to look like. I know it's a gross thing, but it's, it's, what I can tell you is I don't get gas unless I eat veggies or high-processed carbohydrates. Period. When I'm on a fully carnivore diet and then a few yams without the skin, I don't. 
mean, that's where the toxins are at. We're always told that's where the fiber is at. That's also where the toxins are at. So if I eat things, you know, maybe some yams or sweet potatoes or some oats, um, then I'm fine. But when I start eating lots of veggies and, and so on and so forth with lots of fiber in it, lots of these anti-nutrients, I get gas. Should we have gas? The answer is heck no. That means we are not inflamed in our yeah. body. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm sorry. And actually, I'm not sorry. There will be some vegans out there that will tell you you should fart 20 to 30 times a day. No, you shouldn't. No. That means you're not healthy. That means your body is inflamed. You shouldn't feel bloated. When I eat three pounds of meat a day, I never feel bloated. Do I have a piece of pizza once in a while? Once in a while I do. And you know what? I feel bloated. And I don't feel well. That's why I don't eat that stuff. I don't sleep well, so on and so forth. So I just, you know, the whole... I, it's just, it works for me. Right, and that's, let, let's move into the next segment. That, that's really, why are we going over all these different diets? Because um, we want you, the listeners and the viewers, to find out what works for you. There is not one diet that works for you. I will tell you what my diet is. It's called the Sean Needham diet. I found out what works for me, and my diet is a lot different than what Shane's is, partly because our exercise is different, which is a great roll into the next section. Let's uh, a sesh, um, segment. Let's talk about exercise here. So, exercise. Um, there are. What is your opinion about exercise and movement and, and all that, Shane? Well, movement. That's a good one. I mean, first of all, the personal way of eating is so is so critical, and it and it's going to depend on how you're moving as well. And I change my diet depending on how I'm moving as well. You know, if if I'm doing a, a lot of lifting, or if I'm not doing as much lifting, or if I'm doing more cardio that day. And mine, when we talk about cardio, Sean and my's cardio is way different. Maybe we'll get into that as well. But here's the deal. Okay, so as we get older, and even when you're young. The, the bottom line is, I remember when Sean and I started lifting weights, and we were probably about 14 years old, and we had educated people, biology teachers, um, football coaches, if I, if I remember right, they said, you guys should not lift weights, it's bad for your heart, it's unhealthy, you'll get muscle bound, you won't be able to be as flexible, be flexible and as mobile, yeah. and we just, we, said, we just thought to them, because we're pretty unique and we kind of go against the grain a lot of times, we're like, that sounds like the stupidest and craziest thing I've ever heard. And now, 30 years later, tennis players and golf players are lifting weights. So absolutely, the, the, the history and the data is crystal clear. Resistant movement with weight and moving your body with weight, upper body and lower body, is the, is the best exercise there can be. And the number, one of the reasons, for many reasons, bone density, the more muscle mass you have in your body, the more calories you burn at rest by doing nothing. By doing nothing. And that's why I have friends that are, that are bodybuilders. I'm a bodybuilder myself, not professionally or anything, and that's never my goal, but I like it. But the more muscle mass I have, the more I can eat, so the bigger I can get. Because my, my goal as a bodybuilder is to be as big as possible and as lean as possible. And so that's a goal. And I think that's pretty healthy when it's not to an extreme. So resistance training is absolutely should be done by everybody. Now, there's many ways to do it. Body weight movements, kettlebells, barbells, dumbbells. There's so many different ways. CrossFit. I could debate all of those and say which one is better than the other. I actually don't care as long as, somebody, as, long as you're doing some of them. Yeah, I think I think resistance training is probably the most important form of exercise we can do. And this is coming from an endurance athlete who is a mountain bike racer. And um, 
you know, my coach prescribes, still prescribes um, resistance type training because it is just good for, for our bodies in general. And I think if you're going to pick one, you know, we always talk about cardio. And like you say, my cardio is way different than your cardio. But if you're going to pick one, I think, um, you know, if you're going to do cardio versus resistance and you only got time for one, I think resistance training is very, very, is more important. And, and a short resistance exercise, you know, maybe... Um, 10, 15, 20 minutes is really all you need. Um, we've got on the on Moses Lake Professionals Pharmacy's YouTube, which is also where we're streaming live, we have a great video on the kettlebell swing. And kettlebells is what changed my life. I think if you want a quick way to do resistance training and you don't want to go to the gym, which I don't have. I don't go to the gym. I'm not a proponent of going to the gym. I don't like going to the gym. Yeah, but his garage is almost like a gym. Come well, on. I, I, I like my garage, yes, for sure. And my kids love it too. Um so, but I you, you just need one kettlebell. Um, buy a light 10 to 15 pound kettlebell and maybe a little heavier one, 30 to 40 pound kettlebell, and you can do all your resistance exercises right there with one kettlebell. So, um, I, I think that's what's important. Kettlebells, especially with the kettlebell swing, you can really get your heart rate up. Um, I'm not going to. I'm going to disagree with Sean. I think kettlebells are a great way to start. There's a lot of movements that are lacking in those, um, including pectoral muscles, which are your chest. Um, you, you you can't get a lot of muscle with with with, with kettlebells. Am I saying it's a place to start? Is it so resistance training? Absolutely. Then it works for you, and you want to stay home and do it. That's fine. But you know what? I also have. A, you can get a home gym with just a few weights and a bench press and and a, and a, a bench and a squat rack and so on and so forth. With and put your garage. You know, outfit your garage with that too. So, but resistance training is the way to go. The it important really, thing is just to get started. Get started. Yeah. Get started and, and, and see simple. what works for you. Right. You and know, it's simple. It's not. Hard. And some people like it as a personal thing. With me, I've never really found a good training partner. Once in a while, I have a good training partner, but mostly I train by myself. It's my chance to get into the zone. Now, one of the, the CrossFit community, and I see benefits in the CrossFit community. Don't get me wrong. Okay, is that People do it as a community. You know, they people they do it together. They do it in a class. I think there's benefits to that. I think there's also a lot of overtraining and, and too much stress on certain joints and too many movements. That's why you see a lot of injured um, CrossFitters. And so, but hey, if that's what it takes, make it happen. Adjust it appropriately to your body and your lifestyle as necessary. So, how many days a week do you think that you should do some kind of resistance training? Well, you know, that's all personal. How many days? How much time do you have? So, my I call a bodybuilder calls it a split routine. So, I actually lift five days a week, and my lifts usually go like this. I start out with probably chest uh, Monday, and then Tuesday, um, day two is going to be back, and then day three is going to be legs, or maybe a day off, and then day three would be legs, maybe on a Thursday, and then shoulders and. Uh, shoulders and um, uh, traps, and then um, arms the next day. So five days a week for me, and then, and then that's that's what I do. But that's that's kind of a bodybuilder's lifestyle. And then when you get closer to it, some some bodybuilders go twice a day. They'll go in the morning and the night. Do whatever you can. If you can only do it three days a week, then that's fine. Yeah, and I think what's important too is that you just do it, you, just like you say, and be part of the show, you guys. Give us a call. Um, we are listening with to, to uh, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, 509-765-1470. So realize, here's how important, if you are an athlete, let's say you're an endurance athlete, and I've got a lot of mountain bike racer friends on, on Facebook that follow me and just in general. Here's how important it is as a general athlete. Um, the first basketball player that started resistance training 
Hey, Shane, help us out. Who, who was the first basketball player that tried resistance training? You know what? I, I'm going to guess. I, I don't know, but it's interesting. That I thought about this um, recently. When you go look at the 1980s basketball players, like Ralph Sampson and whatnot, I mean, you could tell they didn't lift. You could tell that they didn't eat protein as, or enough and so on and so forth. I'm going to guess. I, I don't know this. I'm going to guess. Carmelo. Um, maybe he, he – no. Michael Jordan. Is that right? Michael I could, I Jordan could see tried that. resistance training, and I yeah. think it's interesting how he started um, dominating his sport. Who was the first golfer to start resistance training? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Not a surprise. So if you want to be a better athlete, um, you will you will need to do resistance training. That wraps up our second segment. Man, it goes fast. Thank you for being here, Shane. Um, you are listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham at AM 1470 KBSN in Moses Lake. Be part of the show. Call in. Please, 509-765-1470. We'll see you in a few. All right, you are back in the underground bunker at an undisclosed location. No, not really. AM 1470 KBSN in Moses Lake. You are listening to the third segment of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Today we have my wonderful brother, Dr. Needham, in the um, studio today. And please be part of the show. Callers, anybody listening, anybody on Facebook, call in. 509-765-1470. Be part of the show. Ask us any question. So we started talking a little bit about a lifting schedule or a training schedule, and I think one of the things that that really is important with that training schedule is, depending on how many days a week you work out and so forth, um, is recovery. Uh, and I, I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, without sleep we will die before we will without food. So recovery is very important. Realize we do not get stronger when we um, work out. We get stronger when we rest and eat, and that's how we get stronger. So without a rest and eating, we will not get stronger. So Shane, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about recovery. So recovery has so many different facets to think about. Um, When you eat, um, before your workouts, when you eat after your workouts, how you recover, do you eat during your workouts? So I, I... some people call me obsessive. I just call it dedicated. Okay, I'm really particular. I remember we were skiing a couple of years ago. Actually, we were downhill mountain biking, I think, at Brundage in, in McCall, Idaho. Oh, the hamburger story? Yeah. <laughs> so we're on the lift going up with our bikes, and I pull out a, a like an old hamburger. Not old, but it was like a day old from the previous day. And, and, my, and Sean says to me, and we got our kids going with us. We had a blast of a time. That was, that was a great time. You know, we had our boys with us. And he says, man, you're just always caring and food. You pull food out of everywhere. And he's right. I always am feeding myself because that's a big part of recovery. And so I see a lot of people in the gym that they actually, I see them there five days a week, four days a week. However, they're lacking the nutrition to fuel their body. Therefore, they're not recovering. And so you can see it. You actually, I'm just saying, I can usually spot a vegan in the gym. Absolutely. Be- because usually I can tell they're lifting correctly, they're, they have a lot of energy, and they're, they're, they're in there all the time, but they're lacking the essential amino acids to recover and they're at, uh, to grow. And, and, and we want to get more muscle, right? And there's been lots, even when you're a 90-year-old, the more muscle you have, the more healthy you're going to be. There's a lot, of, a lot of research on that. It's called sarcopenia when we lose muscle mass. So we want to uh, minimize muscle mass, minimize loss of muscle mass by eating high-protein diets and also actually lift, doing resistance training. So recovery is essential. So recovery is even part of when you eat. So I always feel myself before I go to the gym, not, and if it's in the morning, not a lot, maybe with just a protein shake. I, I do eat protein shakes just for convenience. Um, very, very low carbohydrate. 
and so but they're convenient and I'll drink one during my workout as well and but other than that it's meat and eggs and so anyway but eating right after your workout to refuel yourself so if I'm not eating within 30 minutes after I work out I'm going to be a little bit upset because that you're going to go into catabolism that means breaking down you're going to you've already broke down your muscle you want to rebuild it replenish those amino acids so that's part of recovery the other part of recovery is just rest and one of the i'm going to do a, a plug here so this is called i don't really know how to pronounce it but my good friend again carrie danielson follow her on instagram follow her on facebook she's the one that got me into this ring it's called an aura ring o-u-r-a look it up and so i wear this 24 7 pretty much i take it off to recharge it when i'm in the shower every morning but other than that i wear it and it monitors my heart rate my heart rate variability i won't get too much into that i don't want to get into the research of that it also monitors my my breaths per minute and it will take all this and, and it monitors my rest so how long i'm at sleep it, how long did it take me to get to sleep um what's my heart rate overnight through the night so I, I as a scientist it's really really cool i'm actually not too obsessed with it believe it or not even though i love data and i love looking at data but i realize now what affects my sleep what affects my sleep? What do I eat right before I went to bed? How does that affect my sleep? What did I do right before I went to bed? Did I look at my screens? Did I, was I searching on my phone? Was I reading? And I found, and there's lots of research, and we all know this, but we just can't do it because we're addicted to our phones, including me. But I want to I make sure that my phone, I'm not looking at it for the last hour before I go to bed, that I'm reading. And it makes a big difference with my sleep. And going to bed at the same time at an early hour. You know, these folks that I don't care how much you're training, I don't care how much you're training. If you're training five days a week, I don't care if it's bodybuilding or powerlifting or CrossFit, and your your hours are going to sleep at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. in the morning, bottom line is that's not what the human species is supposed to do, and you are not going to be recovered. So you will not make the gains that you can make. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and one thing we have to remember about is that we do have night shift workers that, that, that can't prevent that, um, You know, whether you're a nurse or an ER doctor or you know, a police officer, and that makes it very difficult. I will tell you in my practice, and Janet and I, when we see um, people come in, it usually doesn't catch up to them till later in life. And they'll be in their 30s or their 40s, and their bodies are starting to break down because they've been working nights all these years. And, and, and thank you for all of you guys that have done that, and guys and gals that have done that. Um, it's very, very tough, but yes, it is true. Humans are not nocturnal. We are diurnal, which means we are made to work during the day and sleep at night. And it does catch up on uh, catch up to you if you if you don't have that that schedule. I want to follow up with that. I appreciate Sean being in the healthcare industry, as am I in the pharmaceutical industry, to understand some of those things. And I often forget about that. I want to say this: I actually have quite a few bodybuilding and powerlifting friends who are actually night or shift workers. But I can tell you this: they recover. They get big. They win big shows, and their nutrition and their recovery is still dialed in. But you've got to be dedicated, and they are. It, it, it's, it's, it's just it's a little bit tougher when you have when it you is. your shift worker. I, I, to, I totally agree. And so because it really it's, it screws up your biological rhythms. And so this, this ring has been really good for me. Again, O-U-R-A. And just to monitor some of those things on what keeps me restful. And you know what? You'll, what you're... You don't. Most of you aren't scientists, and that's okay, by the way. So you're probably not going to obsess over data like I do, or be dedicated over data. But I haven't really obsessed over it either. But what I've realized is that everybody is different. And here's what I've realized, and it's just the bottom line: 
I don't know why, and this has probably been as long as I can remember. I'm a type A personality. I mean, I'm goal-driven, I'm ambitious, I'm driven, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, a bodybuilder, power lifter. I like to, I like the process, I like the comp- competition, I like to win. There's going to be one night a week where I get cruddy sleep. I just do. And I, I'm okay with that. And, and, and it doesn't stress me out. I'm not changing things. Usually I'm overthinking, and that's okay. That's my life. And because you know what? I'm thinking about my next competition. I'm thinking about my next business deal. I'm thinking about a negotiation. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with my kids, whatever it is. And that's okay. That makes me who I am. So you can't stress about it too much, but I don't think it really affects how I recover or anything like that. Now, when I get, when I get closer and closer to competitions, powerlifting, or especially bodybuilding, when I, one of my coach, I'm going to give a, a, a really not a shameless plug because he needs a plug. Brad Hollyball, look him up. He's a, he is the best bodybuilding coach in the nation, certainly the Pacific Northwest, and he's amazing. But he told me during my last competition, which I won, is he said, get on your back as much as you can. And, you know, I, I, I'll tell you this story. I remember I was sitting there with my kids when he told me this. He texted it to me. And I sat in this recliner chair, and I looked over at my son, and I said, man, I wish this, recli- I wish this chair reclined. And he said, it does. And that was about, about two years ago. That was the first time I had ever sat in a recliner in my own house. That was the first time I had ever got horizontal on a couch in my, whole, in my own house. Bad or good? I don't know. I get more horizontal now. I make sure rest yeah. is a big part recovery's, of it. Recovery, uh, it's all about recovery. Now, there are some other devices um, out there. Um, Garmin makes one. Fitbit. Um, Fitbit makes one. So you don't have to be specific to that ring that Shane um, showed us. Uh, I, I, that's the first time I've ever heard of a ring. Um, there's a lot of devices out there. I think what's important, too, is that you – what it's going to do is it's going to help you hopefully – you know, even if you don't obsess with the data, is just get into a routine. That's and, what it's done with me, for yeah, sure. And yeah. I think that can help all of us. So speak of recovery, you know, and you're talking about your bodybuilding coach. Um, I have a mountain bike racing coach, and he's going to be on our show next month, um, Jason Jablonski, and he is a world-renowned coach. Uh, we're talking about coaching national champion athletes, an amazing, amazing athlete himself and a great coach. Um, when I first met him, you know, I was thinking – you know, well, what's this guy going to do to show me how to work out harder and, and, you know, harder, more intense workouts? And the first thing he said when he met me was, the first thing we're going to teach you how to do is recover. Yeah. And I've taken that for, I've taken that really seriously. And, and it's not just recover when we think about sleep. It's also recover, um, you know, between workouts, between sets. Make sure you recover between sets. So, so what's your thoughts on how much sleep we should get every night? Well, for me, for me, it looks like that, you know, I'm still collecting some data. I've had this data now for about four or five months, and, and some of this I've probably known. But for me, true sleep, you know, probably seven and a half to eight and a half hours. Sometimes I'll be in bed for nine hours, though, and that's okay, because now I'm, I'm putting meditation and prayer. More, I'm, I'm more apt to put in reading and prayer um, into my morning and my nighttime routine. And I've done prayer for a long time, but not to the extent of meditation and making sure I just don't just get right out of bed and start getting ready. You know, I don't, I, and, and so for me, seven and a half to eight hour and a half hours. And it, and it also depends. Like when I go heavy on squats and leg press and I have a leg day, I get more rest that night. 
and so it makes a big difference on how I recover. And so, a big and then, did I do more cardio that day? Did I? And you can put all that data into into the ring, or in, into your app with the ring, and it will calculate some of those things for you, and it'll tell you the next morning. Maybe you should take it easy today. And so, so does this ring? Does it connect? To your phone? Via yeah, so it connects Bluetooth. to... Yeah, I think it connects to Android and iPhone. I have an iPhone, so it connects to my iPhone via Bluetooth, and it just monitors everything pretty much 24-7. And it's, and it's great. It, it's, I, I really, I highly recommend it. And so there's some expensive models, and there's some cheaper models, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. But you know what? Here's what I can guarantee you. If you have a smartphone, you can afford a health ring. Okay. Well, and here's one of the things that my wife likes to say. You either pay now or pay later. Absolutely. And tools like that that can help us get healthy is, is definitely, it's cheap insurance. Well, one of the things I was actually concerned about, and one of the things, reason I got the ring is because that as we age, our, our um, tissue gets softer in our throats and so on and so forth, so you start snoring. And, I, and it just, it is what it is. That's life, right? Um, I'm not overweight or anything, so I thought, oh, crazy. And then, but you... I'm, I'm sure they would prescribe a C- CPAP machine to me. Oh, for sure. And, and somebody said, well, you should go do a sleep study. I'm like, no, I'm going to go buy my own ring, collect my own data in my own bed. Because So I've actually saved money probably by actually, and time for sure, and it's convenient, and collecting data just by doing it you know, on my own and not having to go through the, through the healthcare system. And I'm sure Sean's book has a lot of information about that. Well, speaking of that, that's a good segue into that. So that's one of the things that I like to do. And this year what I wanted... Um, my focus is to empower, the word empower, empower patients, empower people that they are in charge of their health. Um, you know, my book just recently got released in December of last year. Yeah, congratulations. That thing's killing it. Thank I, you. I, I'm proud of you. I, I, I love it. Um, I went on my first book tour from Oklahoma last week and um, toured the Oklahoma Church Center of Oklahoma and, and spoke at the Free Market Medical Association. My book is Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And in that book there are solutions um, about how to how to fix our health care issues and, and patients are empowered to do that so read my book we are wrapping up here shortly Shane so um, the next minute or so um, what would you like us to know about you how do we get a hold of you how would you like to, to finish this show follow me on IG basically my name uh, Needham underscore Shane or you can find me on Facebook Shane Needham um, I also have a Twitter account um, I think it's Dr. S. Needham I believe and so you can follow me many different ways Ask me questions, whatever. I, it was really an honor and a pleasure to be here. This will probably not be our last thing. I, Sean and I have big, big plans coming up. So stay tuned for that. 2020 is going to be killer for both of us, and we're super excited. Thank you, Sean and Janet, very, very much. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. And, yeah, we've got big plans in 2020. And, of course, anytime uh, Shane and I team up, it just gets bigger. So I really appreciate you being here at the show. And I think that wraps up our segment. Um, this is you've been listening to Health Solutions with with Sean and Janet Needham um, on AM 1470 KBSN, and we will see you actually Tuesday. Uh, we are clo- the station's closed for Monday, so we will be with you Tuesday streaming live. Um, see you then.